0: And welcome back to a fresh episode of the Business Growth Show. I'm your host, Sam Dunning, co owner over at webchoiceuk.com. And if you haven't done so yet, check out our weekly email where I'm sharing actual website marketing tips, useful podcasts, free goodies, resources, and more each and every Monday. To kick off your week with a bang, want to give it a shot over at businessgrowth.email. Joining me today, we've got Nigel Thomas, Nigel, the CEO of Alpha Inbound. Nigel, a warm
1: welcome, sir. How's it going? It's not too bad, and it's great because we're really zoomed in on my face here. <laughs> I'm actually in a wee work to to paint the picture, and I'm in one of the phone booths. If anyone's ever been to a wee work before, and uh, so I can't change the angle of this mic, but it's nice to see a close up. Uh, start using some new moisturiser, but look, it's a pleasure. Oh to man, I feel that.
0: Yeah, know. yeah. Good, good to have you, mate. Glad to have you here. Um, and then for anyone tuning in on audio only, basically the, the tool we use StreamYard to record these video and audio podcasts, they pull your face right in when we go on dual screen. So we, <laughs> we all feel the, feel the lovely benefits of that. So Nigel, today we're going to be chatting all things cold email and mm. how everyone tuning in can get up to 80% open rates, which yeah. really sounds insane in itself, with yeah. cold email. So first of all, 80%. To me, that sounds mental, Nigel. Is that even possible?
1: Yeah, it is. And you know what's interesting? Before I started this agency 12 months ago, or we rebranded it from scratch, we pretty much built a new business. People told me that cold email was dead, Sam. People told me that it doesn't work anymore. Now, not only did we get it to work, we've been signing seven multi-seven and eight-figure direct-to-consumer brands from cold email, like completely cold and then getting them on a call and taking them through a sales process. So my response to anyone who thinks that cold email doesn't work anymore, we can get into the 8% open rates in a second, is there's 4 billion people out there who use email now in today's world. If you can't get the attention out of one person of 4 billion, you should probably think about giving up now. (laughs) That's an insane amount. And sure, the filters are getting more powerful. Sure, people's inboxes are getting busier, but yeah. four billion people, like every single market, you know, everyone in business uses email. Now, in terms of getting eighty percent, that's obviously more nuance, and it's just like with everything else. You have to put in the work. You have to make the things personalized. And there's a, a great saying which is, "People don't know, or people don't care," rather how much you know until they know how much you care and the point is is if you actually do the due diligence sure you need the infrastructure which I don't know how you want to split this down because I've got six different points around yeah we'll
0: we'll get into that in a sec for sure I definitely want to dive into your strategy Um, but really I just wanted to put some pressure on you from the start as I love to do with my guests (laughs) and uh, just just quiz you on the numbers I'm sure our listeners and our watchers are keen to to find out so that's That's a fair start. So as you said, did you say it's 4 billion?
1: 4 billion people that use email in the world. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So that that, that in itself shows that there's a big target market. But with that said, like you mentioned and you hinted at, Nigel, mm. I get, and I'm sure you're the same, and I'm sure many people are the same, get tons of emails, probably, I don't know, 100 plus spammy ones a day now just because... I'm co-owner of a business and so naturally you're probably in the same boat, but whether yeah. it's someone trying to sell me my own services, website and SEO, whether it's someone trying to tell me cold calling, maybe someone telling me lead gen, maybe someone selling me data lists you name it. I get it. And I'm almost auto tuned to ignore these 99% yeah. of the time. So how are you, how are we making sure we actually stand out in the inbox? Because like mm-hmm. a lot of emails, they're just junk, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, so here's the thing. All those emails that you're talking about, they're pretty much, let's be honest, they're all the same, aren't they? They're just a block of black and white. Yeah. They're just a block of black and white texts. Usually someone asking you for a call or your time. So here's immediately one thing you can do, which will make you stand out massively. Put an image in there. You can put an image in there again. Contrary to popular belief, it doesn't actually affect deliverability. Lemlist is an outreach tool, which is amazing for for cold outreach. They've done a lot of studies on deliverability using images and email, and it actually doesn't affect the deliverability if you set it up correctly. So that's one thing. Now, having an image is okay. Some people do that. Again, you're probably going to be in the top 10% then. Now you can make a personalized image. So, for example, some of the emails I'll send out, and this is, I've seen more people using this strategy now, so I don't think it's quite as unique as it was maybe a year or so ago. But what you can do is you can get, for example, a Starbucks mug. I can hold that up to the screen, and on that Starbucks mug, I can then transition in the first name. So I can literally have your first name across the Starbucks mug, And it will say, hi, Sam, something along those lines. Then obviously my note in the email could be something to do with, you know, something obviously related to your subject, which you can get onto in a second. But then do you want to grab a quickie coffee? Like, here's the thing. Now you're in probably the top one percent because no one else in the inbox is showing up like that. And the reason why, as well as obviously doing my market research, I know that is because just like yourself, Sam, I get pitched all the time in cold email. And no one puts any effort into the cold emails that they send out to me. Hardly any. I've had one or two, and usually I'll send a response. But the point is, is if you do that due diligence, if you actually put the time in, then most people like will respond. i say most people will respond. You still need to do follow-ups. But the point I'm trying to make here is just because people are busy, it doesn't mean they've lost their personality or the fact that they're human still.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's let's flip this let me play devil's advocate okay. so you've you've mentioned kind of personalizing email adding imagery tailoring it with people's names on on starbucks image um pictures and all, all that good stuff so let's uh, let's mix it up i mean that that's all good and well yeah but i know a lot of people because people moan on linkedin as they like to do every day um hey sure. in inverted commas cold outreach um so is it not more a lot more effective to attract people to you, Nigel, with inbound marketing, or whether that's kind of using advertising, whether that's organic, whether that's social, is it not better yeah. to attract people directly to you? Should we really be doing cold outreach, whether it's email or cold calling anymore?
1: Yeah, so I've got a really interesting, it's actually interesting because I spoke, I actually did a podcast um, with an amazing founder and she's built her business and she's like a, a direct to consumer brand, You know. The point is, is that at the start to build her business, to develop relationships with wholesalers, she was DMing people all the time to get the content creators on board. She was cold DMing people all the time. And you wouldn't see that when you look at the brand. But the reason why it's so important, and this actually kind of really, I say, annoys me, but it frustrates me somewhat because I don't think people are honest. Is that at the start, when you're a bootstrap business and you're a startup, you need cash like let's just be frank here yeah marketing and content is a fantastic idea and i'm trying to do that more and more but it's a long-term game if you actually think that you start posting today and you're just going to get inbound leads like that especially if you're working with multi seven eight figure brands then i'm just going to break it down for you now unless you've got a massive presence or you've got some big connections ain't going to happen so today you need cash flow to be able to survive. So you can hire contractors to actually get a good service for your product. And then once you start building that reputation in the background, you need to be building building up your content and then ideally you can transition over. And I know because that's what I did. So in my belief, you need to ask because the world owes you nothing and at the start, no one will care about you. So you need to get in the door, you need to generate some cash flow and then smartly reinvest it into those inbound and those content methods. So we can obviously start educating your market. Now, the last thing I'll say on this, Sam, sure. is for people who challenge me on that opinion or challenge that, that thought process, remember this, 3% of the market is always ready to buy. So when you're doing cold outbound, you're going for the 3%, and I understand that. Now, when you're doing content, Obviously, now you've got the rest of the market to go to. So you've got a much bigger audience that you're now nurturing before they get to that 3% stage. So obviously, it's going to be way harder and you'd be silly not to start looking at the rest of the market. But like I said, at the start and what a lot of content marketers, I think they seem to forget looking back, is that you need to get the cash flow. So go for the 3%. To get yeah. your task going and then smartly transition into the rest of the market, and nurturing that audience through, like you said, content strategies.
0: I couldn't agree with that more, um, especially considering kind of most of the companies I've been in are bootstrapped. And like some of the fluff you might hear on social media, that might come from businesses that have had a ton of funding. Fair enough. Or maybe they're an employee of a business that's doing quite well. Again, fair enough. But when you start start a business yourself, like you say, you need cash flow. And if you've got limited funds in the bank, then outbound is sometimes a great way to do that. In my case, I've talked about on the show in the past. A few years ago, when we were early stages of the company, I cold called, set appointments, generated some revenue eventually for, got some clients on board. And then once we had the revenue, ramped up our team, then we scaled up our SEO, scaled up website, scaled up paid ads, ramped up social, et cetera. So Yeah, healthy mix is always the answer. But like you say, in realistic terms, you've got to get clients on board to pay the bills and you can ramp up the other things.
1: Exactly. And going through that process, what a lot of people don't realise who haven't gone through it is it builds you as a person. Because the thing is, no matter which way you look at it, no matter how good, even if you get 80% open rates, you're still going to get rejected a lot. And like you said, when you did cold calling, I'm sure you build a lot of, you know, resilience through that. And as entrepreneurs, we need that resilience. And if you don't have that, you're going to have real issues further down the line because you're going to you're going to get struck by something. And doing going through the, the cold outbound approach really builds you up as a person. I know because I was that person. I was in the corporate world to 26 years old. I came out of that went and started a marketing agency thinking it was going to be way easier than it was. And then I started doing cold outbound and I got punched in the face every single day and it built me as a person. But the fact I didn't give up I learned so much through that and now i can use that experience when i'm for example coaching my team through hard times when i'm for example maybe i look to go and get investment now you can use these experiences for other things and actually what's funny is when you do content when you do you know a podcast for example like now you've got something to talk about and you've got more confidence about you because you went through that so again, that's just another added benefit, which I think a lot of people miss.
0: Yeah, 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 definitely helps for sure. So yeah, we've set set the groundwork. So let's let's jump into it, Nigel. Let's not beat around the bush. We wanna talk about this this framework that you've got in yeah. place. What is the, the first thing to consider when it comes to setting up a cold email campaign? What is one of the first things that businesses should consider?
1: So we've got six different steps, Sam. We've got infrastructure, okay. The ICP, the ideal client profile, the psychology behind it, having some fun. And that's kind of what I like to throw in the multi platform follow up, and then the systems to make sure that it's, you know, everything's kind of working and you can systemize this when you get business. So let's go to infrastructure for first. Even if you have the best copy, the best content, all these sexy images, whatever if you don't have the infrastructure in place, you're never going to get into the inbox. If you never get into the inbox, no one's ever going to read your email. So in 2022 and beyond, you need to be leveraging technology. Now, one of the tools that we've used, but there's lots of options out there. So I'd recommend people doing their own research is yeah. Lemlist. So have you heard of Lemlist before?
0: I have, yeah. I'm um... I do not claim to be a, a cold email expert or email marketing expert by any means, but yeah, certainly heard of it. I think I've seen the CEO stuff on LinkedIn.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's, he's a smart guy. Anyway, so Lemlist have got this tool called Lemwarm, and what Lemwarm does is essentially warms up your emails for you. Now, they've basically got an ecosystem and they've got some really reputable domains there. And without going too technical, essentially, if you send out, and obviously, let's just say it's for Gmail, if you send out emails or the technology does it for you to reputable domains, it basically builds you up positive points. And, for example, again, just to throw it out there, if you get marked as spam, you'll get negative points. That's kind of how it works. So and no
0: one wants their main domain to go down, right?
1: Exactly. You so, your website.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was going to
1: get to that in a second. You should be doing it on a subdomain. So, for example, when we do in our cold email outreach, we have seven different subdomains, which are completely separate to the main domain. Because as you rightly pointed out, if you get blacklisted, which even if you set everything up correctly, you don't know what's going to happen. So don't take that risk. You won't be able to now email your clients anymore. (laughs) That's going to be a real issue. Definitely. So, yeah, basically, Lem1 will warm up your email inbox for you. And after about two months, you'll be warmed up you can check on a tool called it's mx toolbox like how well you're set up and it'll give you some scoring and all that kind of good stuff but essentially that will get the infrastructure to a point as long as you're on the subdomain as well that you can actually get inside the inbox so that's step one and then to actually start sending out the emails personally for me yeah sure you might want to send some out on gmail but i would recommend using technology because when you're tracking all the follow-ups and the statistics Again, considering the price, if it's like fifty dollars or something or whatever it is, it's yeah. not to do that. And you know, life, salt, and business, as you well know, Sam's all about leverage. So invest in a piece of technology which is going to help you out. Otherwise, you're just going to lose track of things, and it's become going to become a hot mess real quick. So that's the infrastructure side of things to actually give you the best chance to get inside someone's inbox. So and okay. there's no documentation. I mean, I can go get more technical, but I think people should do their own research. If some of the things that I said now sound foreign to you, it means there's a lot of opportunity there to get much better open rates.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in terms of the, those pieces of software or, yeah. or software that does a similar job in terms of actually warming up your domain name, picking a subdomain, and then a, a piece of software to actually send out the emails, does that typically involve much of an investment?
1: no so you can for you can do it for free with g there's a tool called gmas and that literally does it for free it's not quite as pretty in terms mm-hmm. of the interface yes so i would like i would recommend using lemlist and that's the one that we've used most and obviously Lemworm's part of the, the lemlist subscription but yeah if you want to use gmas that's a cheaper option that's free of charge i mean if you really wanted to you could actually send the emails out yourself to friends every single day, but you'd have to get them to respond. So, again, thinking about how long that would take, yeah. you might as well make the investment. And if you're serious about your business, I think $50 a month for a piece of software that can, if you you know, bear in mind the lifetime value of one of your clients, especially if you're a service based business, then that's well worth the investment. So, in my opinion, it's it's a good idea and I'd recommend doing it.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So let's pretend we've we've got this set up. Maybe we've invested yeah. a few dollars a month or whatever may be into, into this software. What What's the next step, Nigel?
1: Yeah. So understanding your ICP, your ideal client profile. I know you said to me before we started, you also like to talk about sales. and I'm, I'm, You'll know how critical this is to really understand your market, to make sure that when you're speaking to someone, whether it's cold email, whether it's on a call, whatever. Yep. Yeah you understand the language of the market. And that's so critical, because when, if you look at the emails that get sent to you, you'll quite quickly understand that most people actually don't really understand the lingo and the language that you speak. For example, in e-commerce, we use acronyms, for example, LTV, which is lifetime value, AOV, which stands for average order value. You know, e-commerce owners who run these businesses, They use those acronyms every single day. Now, the thing is, is if you start using those acronyms when you speak to these people or just the language that they use subconsciously, and this is just how humans work with social animals, you will essentially build more trust with them. And it might seem like a simple thing to do, but trust me when I tell you, it goes a really long way. And especially when you actually get these people on a call, it's massively worth the investment of time of putting in that research. Now, how can you actually find out about the language and all that good stuff? Well, actually, the best way to do it is really to speak to people on calls. And that obviously might require some sort of cold outbound. So it's a bit of a you know chicken or the egg situation. But if you already have customers, then definitely speak to them. If you don't have customers, you can basically just try and interview some people and try and give them something of value, but obviously not try and sell them on anything, just literally try and get on the phone, even if it's some people who were at the start of their journey. For example, if it's an e-commerce brand like we work with, maybe just a founder who's getting started, you'd be surprised that a lot of people are willing to have a quick chat and you'll quite quickly realize, one, what they speak about and what they think about, and two, where they hang out. And that's really important. So then you can find more of these people. So if you can get on a call and have a conversation, ask some questions, actually, that's probably one of the best things for outreach, as strange as it might sound, because that's what you're trying to do with the outreach. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Sam.
0: I think it's good. Um, I think it's always useful, like we've talked about in many episodes, to so know who your ideal client profile is, like what sectors they're in, um, what job titles they are, if they're marketing directors, CMOs, different types of execs, sales directors, whatever. Um, And like you say, getting the right language and making sure that you're not using a ton of jargon that they never use. So when you put it into your emails or your your communication of any form, it just confuses them and they ignore you or um, don't want to respond. But like you say, if you can actually use their day-to-day wording, what things they actually say in a normal conversation, then like you say, you can make sure what you're actually putting out there is going to resonate. Yeah, exactly. Chili Piper is an advanced scheduling solution for B2B revenue teams. Rather than listen to me ramble on, here's a super happy customer describing how Chili Piper has revolutionized the way they work.
1: Chili Piper as a tool has just become part of our fabric. It's our meeting booking system for our prospects. And you'll be pleased to hear it just does it. It's like the ideal piece of software which you don't have to babysit, it just does what it needs to do. My SDR team. Like using it as well. The main bulk of their role is outbound prospecting, which they use Chili Piper to book book those meetings. Ultimately they are booking meetings for the account executive. Their handoff is working, you know,
0: really well. You just heard there how Chili Piper can free up resources and turbocharge your productivity. Book your free demo today over at chilipiper.com slash BGS. That's C H I L I P I percom slash bgs, chilipiper.com slash bgs. Are you tired of the competition stealing your potential clients and website traffic just because they rank higher than you on Google for the main services or products you offer? Or maybe you're already investing in SEO or marketing, but your website's failing to convert your hard-earned visitors into a steady flow of qualified sales leads. Or perhaps... You already work with a web or SEO agency, but they're just not getting you the results they promised. Let's fix that. Get in touch with us over at webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. Mention the podcast and set up a call with Sam to see if we can help you with the results today.
1: And the other thing is pain points like that's obviously the big one you need to understand their pain points again for our industry using the example iOS 14 and advertising is one of the yep. big pain points in the industry if you know for any direct to consumer brand that was making considerable amount of money has been affected by it tracking and attribution you know these are huge pain points in the industry. And I know that because I'm on calls of founders every single day. You need to know the pain points of your market, what keeps these people up at night. And if you can address that in your email and you can write that kind of problem solution with the other things that we're gonna talk about, you're gonna be, again, you're gonna be massively ahead. Because I don't know what keeps you up at night, Sam, but I'm hazarding a guess that a lot of the emails in your inbox don't talk about it.
0: That's one of the most important things, right? And I think, like you say, a lot of um, people in marketing, a lot of sales as well, don't realize that it's not that difficult to understand. If you can nail down probably the top three problems that your ideal client faces, then you're way ahead of most companies. (laughs) And it doesn't take much. Just like you say, either speak to a bunch of your your customers or your prospects if you can get them on a call. It might take a bit of an investment. You might have to offer them something free of charge. Um, Or... If you can't involve through that, you could even listen to industry relevant podcasts and things like that. There's a lot of material out there. There's so much material out there. It's just like you say, you've got to put in the work.
1: Yeah, um, that's where I often find some of the best marketers were salespeople first, because mm. it's hard to really replicate that experience in terms of actually being on the phone and understanding the market. I mean, you know, we look at some of the best marketers who have ever been around, like David Ogilvy. Like this guy was spending 80% of his time researching. So it's so important to do. And I don't know what your thoughts on that because I know there's always this, you know, friction between marketing and sales departments and organizations. But I feel like having that sales experience first and then transitioning into marketing gives you a massive competitive advantage.
0: Oh yeah. Most, most market, I mean, I, I'm basically a marketer, but I do a lot of selling for, for our company. Most marketers I'd say are scared to get on the phone. Yeah, um, exactly. I'd love love for anyone to have a debate with me over that, but that's for a different <laughs> show. Um, but yeah, a lot, of, a lot of marketers now are listening into sales calls, which is fair enough, with tools like Gong and Chorus and similar kind of things. But yeah, getting that kind of live feedback loop. So you understand what basically your, your ideal clients, your prospects care about, like you say, so you can leverage those problems and how you fix them. But yeah. um, we digress. So yeah. understanding your ICP. How are we now going to leverage this Intel that we have learned?
1: Yeah. By the way, something we might've missed out for any listeners when you're actually sending out your emails, you don't want to send any more than 30 a day and you need to, when you do your list building with the ICP, you really need to spend time and never buy lists off other people. So, because remember this, if you're buying a list off someone else, that means that that's been sold to loads of other people. So build the list yourself do the research, and then what you can do strategically is SOP the process, create a standard operating procedure of you recording Loom videos when you go through, finding where these leads are, and make sure you fill out because when we get to the multi-platform follow-up step, which is step five of this process, you're going to need LinkedIn and Facebook and all the rest of it. But it really pays to do your due diligence properly. Before you send out the emails, the last thing I'll say is, Use NeverBounce. That's the tool that we've used. And basically, just run the emails through NeverBounce. Because again, if you get bounces on your email, it's going to massively damage the domain reputation. So you want to make sure, just like cut out the bounces, put them through NeverBounce. That'll do it for you. You know, it's really affordable. And um, But yeah, make sure you build the list yourself. Again, once you've done the ICP research, that's really important. So you're actually going after the right decision makers. Otherwise, you'd just be wasting your time. And that's probably worse than doing nothing sometimes. Now, with the psychology step, essentially, if anyone's read the book from Robert Cialdini on persuasion or, you know, the, the basically, he's got a book about persuasion. And it's got six principles around it and i'm sure you're already familiar with this sam right it's one of the best books out there
0: i don't i think i've heard is this fairly recent book how recent is the no no this is really old it's like it's really old like 90s but i I definitely haven't read it
1: (laughs) yeah no but then they've got an up-to-date version i've got i've literally got the book in my bag there's because they he's basically and um, got the principles and then update re-updated them. It's called persuasion. This one here,
0: okay, By yeah, Robert
1: yeah. Aldini. I'd highly recommend anyone checking this out because this is fantastic for sales, but also just the principles for marketing is incredibly yeah. important. And instead of me like boring you with all of it, <laughs> the point is, is user principles in here, but some of the main ones he talks about is, you know, social proof and reciprocity, these kind of things are really important for just from a principle standpoint to make sure you include, and that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the psychology. So for example, if I'm now reaching out to an e-commerce brand and I have a case study of a similar e-commerce brand, again, we talk about the language, if you can niche down more and more, then obviously that's gonna put me in a much better stead. You know, As humans, we're always like scared of trust. So we're always looking for those trust factors, whether it be a Forbes badge on your website profile or whatever else. If we can talk about, let's say, because I know we did, again, this uh, campaign we're talking about with 80% open rates. It was actually for CBD companies that we reached out to. And we'd actually been working, got great results, one of the top CBD companies in the market. And I knew that everyone we were reaching out to knew who it was. So that was actually one of the keys behind it. And that's obviously one of the keys to what Robert talks about. But the point is, is you can get that social proof of someone relative in the industry, then it's going to put you in, you know, it's just going to be so important and compound for you. Of course, maybe you're just starting out. You don't have that. And, but you know, that's something to bear in mind. The other thing though, if you don't have the social proof is you can go more down the reciprocity route. So, providing some sort of value even though you're reaching out cold and usually you'll get something back for example let's just say you did some research for example in the ad space as you well know on tiktok it's all about um you know the hooks at the start of the ad so just like the the first two to three seconds in terms of like that first thing they say that's the thing that moves the needle on tiktok content more than anything else for anyone who didn't know what you could do is you could do some research and you could find, I don't know, the top 10 hooks for TikTok. You could then reach out to these brands and say, hey, checked out your website, blah, de, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, it'd have to be more concise and research would need to be done. But you can say, I actually just put this quick ebook together, the top 10 hooks um, for going viral on TikTok. Considering it's Black Friday, Cyber Monday, I thought this might be incredibly valuable for you. And if you want to go a step further, you can even record a personalized Loom video, and you can just send that across with literally no CTA whatsoever. And you'll be very surprised at that stage because, again, if you look in your email inbox, no one's doing that. Everyone's just pitching. Someone on LinkedIn the other day said pitch slapping, which I thought was quite funny. I wanted to throw Yeah, that. yeah, that's, that's but, but yeah, I think if you go down the reciprocity route, if you don't have results there to back up what you've already done. That can be an incredibly valuable way. You know, there's lots of ways to, to skin a cat here. But yeah, the point yeah. is you need to think about the psychology. And the last thing I'll say is don't just look at it on desktop when you're going to send the email, also look at it on mobile. Because again, if you look on mobile, a lot of the emails you get, by the way, that's where most people are going to consume it. They look trash because people are just sending them out on desktops through softwares and they're just big walls of text. You need to split out your emails more, use the white space for advantage and make sure because presentation is literally half the battle. So check all your emails on mobile and just pretend you are the recipient and just open the email as if you received it. Like, Would you actually like that email? It's crazy and sounds so simple. But often a lot of the time, if you read back through your own emails, you'll quite quickly realize I wouldn't even read that myself. I'll probably delete it. So that's another thing on the psychological standpoint, make it easy for people, give them something they care about, which is personalized, and then kind of throwing it into point four, have a little bit of fun. Again, if you can make someone laugh, you'll instantly stand out. So whether that be a funny image, something relatable to the industry, just make someone laugh. You know, because at the end of the day, they'll, you'll be top of mind if you can do that. So I know I just went through a lot of things. There. There's a
0: lot to break down there, so let's let's Follow crack you. on and 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 uh, tear this down a bit. So, okay. yeah, we, before we were talking about ICP their client profiles, we we did that quite nicely in terms of kind of understanding who they are, who your ideal client is, their problems, what what they actually care about, and then we you, you shared quite some interesting stuff. So you you mentioned building the list yourself. Okay. Um, And I'm sure a lot of people have heard that and thought, holy shit, that sounds like a lot of work. Um, When I know there's tools like seamless, cognism, lead IQ, tons of others that provide data for everything and anything um, in the B2B sector anyway. So why can't we just get a list from them?
1: Yeah, because the thing is, is you don't know who to, you don't know who to target. That's the point. So, It depends. Again, it's like depends how much research you've got on your market. If you already know your ICP and you because let me just devil's advocate for a second. Let's just say you're approaching, you know, a local business about their marketing and you're reaching out to someone in the operations side of the business. They might never get involved in that part of the business. And they might not be that well connected with the owner or the the marketing person who you actually need to speak to. So now what you're doing is you're pulling out data and you're spending your time outreaching to people who don't really know about what you're saying. So you're going to get terrible response rates. And even if they did respond, they don't have the authority or the decision making power to actually move a deal forward. So the point is, is. I think at the start, doing it manually is not a bad thing because you're digging then, you're going into the trenches and you're understanding more about your market, how these companies are put together. Whereas if you just scrape a list off a piece of software, you miss out of all of that thing. You know, I've been through thousands and thousands of direct-to-consumer size e-commerce websites, and through that process, I realized what websites worked, what didn't. I understood how all these businesses were put together. And it's just because I got in the trenches and I did the work. And yeah, I wouldn't skip that process. Now, I'd be smart. I'd SOP that process and get someone else to do it and then potentially start using a software. So you don't want to do that forever. But I don't think you should skip that, especially if you're starting out some.
0: Yeah, it's a tricky one, really. So I'm just thinking like, If I was, I mean, a lot of our listeners are in the B2B space, right? So if I was a service-based business or SaaS software company, whatever, um, how would I go about like trying to target all these kind of clients that I want to grab their emails from? Is there like a easier way, especially if you want to, bearing in mind the response rates are going to be quite low um, with any cold outreach, like how would I go about actually finding their details to then set up these campaigns?
1: Yeah, I mean, again, it really, that obviously depends on the products and service you're selling, because of course, if it's a SaaS sure. product, you know, you've got to be smart about the way you use time. But then again, you might be doing some sort of free trial. So again, that's hard to say without more information. But for example, you could just do, if you have sales nav, you could just yep. do a sales nav search and you could pull in a big list from there. might be a good place to start i think you talked about seamless ai like the contracts of those guys i think are 12 months and they're pretty expensive so actually a cheaper cheaper tool to use will be apollo that's pretty good that pulls in emails that are pretty validated and it has a pretty big database so yeah apollo is pretty good for this building again i just make sure you just double check everything because usually we've seen when we've kind of scrubbed lists there's mistakes in there about the targeting. And for example, let's just say you pull in a list of local businesses and they're all targeted and it's, I don't know, they're all dental industry like companies. A lot of the time you'll click through and it's actually like a beauty a beauty company. So you want to be careful on that side of things. I understand if you're SaaS, you've got to be smart of your time because you have a yep. much lower ticket, but yeah. All
0: so- right. Let's try and give some practical advice now. Um, I'll put you on the spot if you don't mind, Nigel, and we'll go basically put into play everything we've learned so far. Um, and I also would be interested to know kind of, it sounds like these emails are going to be sequenced in the sense that there'll be a few of them because the first one was like a giveaway. So let's say that we provide some kind of high ticket software, um, for let's say agricultural industries. (laughs) Um, That just came into my head because I think I talked about it a while ago. And let's say the main pain points we fix are at the moment their sales team are taking hours and hours a week to upload all the details into the CRM. Um, Maybe another pain point we fix is that it integrates nicely with, I don't know, different email providers and stuff like that. So it links up to anything else externally, third party software. And maybe another pain point is most systems right now are super slow, whereas this loads fast and is nice and quick. Um, so let's let's say it's like one of the quickest in the market in terms of processes and whatnot. So that's a rough idea. Um, how would we go about utilizing this Intel and then setting up an email campaign with basically all the good stuff that you've shared with us so far? What should we be considering in like our first email mobile friendliness hook? Um, just a rough idea to kind of give our audience kind of how they can put it into play.
1: Sure, how big are these companies?
0: Let's say... Mark- in terms of the company itself?
1: Yeah, in terms of maybe how many team members there are. Let's say we're targeting companies with,
0: I don't know, 50 to 100 staff,
1: something okay. like that. Maybe so you're like a- quite, yeah, you're going to be quite far away from the decision makers at that point. So that would be the first thing I'd be trying to do. Because look, at the end of the day, to make a decision, regardless if you go cold or you go inbound, you need to find the route to the decision maker. So that would be the first place that I'd start. Because obviously, you know, like that's gonna that's gonna be the thing that moves the needle the most. And then, sure. if you don't do that research, you could just be wasting time, as we kind of already touched on. So, again, I don't know if you if you're gonna give yeah, I
0: I guess I guess let's let's say to set the scenario, make it a bit simpler. Maybe they've got a small marketing team. Maybe they've got three or four people in their internal marketing team, and maybe you target the chief marketing officer or head of marketing, something like that.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, again, it doesn't sound like it's a massive market either, but I probably still look at LinkedIn first to do a bit of customer research. So I'd be looking to profile between anywhere between 100 and 300, like to give people an idea, let's pretend that you've already warmed up your email, you've done everything in using yep. a, like lend list and lend warm, so you've got um, things ready to send out. I'd do a, a batch of like 100 to 300 people and that like that's enough data really to see if something works or not and then in terms of like the the first email you want me to kind of go through the sequence right
0: yeah i mean we've we've talked about kind of processes um but just to get a rough idea because i think what's not talked about on podcasts enough especially on email is it's hard to imagine isn't it especially if someone's listening in like this is all these are all some useful nuggets but what does that e- email actually look like? Like, is it "Hello, hope you're well. We fix these pain points," or is it like "Hey there," then straight into the points? Or what? How do we how kind of? Because I know you mentioned um, using a bit of a hook. Maybe the first email is a free giveaway. Um, just like, how do we frame up the first few yeah, emails? Yeah, and...
1: I think the the pro, you're actually touching on one of the problems of cold right, which is most people look for the template.
0: Ah. Uh. Okay. To
1: do to get eighty percent open rates, you don't do templates. You have to build things from scratch, and it takes research. So it's obviously maybe that's a get out of jail card. Form. <laughs> it's, it's hard for me on the spot about doing any yeah, yeah. research to be able to come up with something which is going to get that audience's attention, because every like I said, everyone wants you know the top two tricks, you know the, the hacks for cold email. Like here's here's the real truth: there isn't any. Like, and that's the thing. And that's because everyone else is trying to do the template. If you've got a template online from like the third search in Google, think how many other the thousands of people are already using that. So, yeah, you, you need to have some sort of hook. What I will say is in terms of the call to action in the first email, and you talked about Gong before. One of the things you should do is use an interest-based call to action because they did research on like 300,000 cold emails yes. and saw that, if you ask for someone's time someone who's really busy for example the marketing teams of these agricultural companies you know they're already getting pitched all the time they're probably you've got a really busy schedule so instead of that ask them would this be of help to you and then insert something around that's like in this season for example and then just ask them or oh, are you interested to learn more et cetera, yeah. et cetera. And if you obviously have some sort of free like ebook or wherever it is, like cheat sheet, then yeah. you can include that. But always use an, an interest-based call to action for the first cold email and be respectful of people's time. And the other thing I'd say is make sure you include an unsubscribe in that first email, because gotcha. I don't know about yourself, but how many times you get that first email and then three days you see the follow-ups and then you see the follow-ups It's like, honestly, I couldn't give a shit about the first email. I don't want to see all the follow-ups. Give me a chance to get out of this thing,
0: and yeah. people
1: expect you more for that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then it takes like ten clicks to unsubscribe, and then you're yeah. still not unsubscribed.
1: <laughs>
0: good, so, good times.
1: I can I can give you some more because I say like for the follow-ups, I can give you some, like some ideas on that. So one... yeah, it'd
0: be useful to know really. Just yeah, yeah for sure. sure. I guess get some context. Like that's the the first email. That makes sense. Maybe leverage a problem, give away a some kind of free useful resort with a light touch um, yeah sure.
1: so and how with, do we follow up? yeah with the follow-ups honestly a lot of people over complicate this now in terms of like every again everyone wants like the best time of the day to do it and you know what is the a- actual like cadence and everything else honestly like it's not as important as you think if you just do the follow-ups then that's the most important thing of course you want to be respectful on the frequency but I'd say that the first follow-up should be probably about three days after the first email, the second follow-up, maybe four days. And then the fourth follow-up, I would say, give it a week. Then you don't really want to do any more than six, six piece outreach because then you're spamming people. Ideally the other two, if you can, if you've done your research properly, you could hit them up on LinkedIn because now you're going to get multi-platform. So that's going to be better for you, make you stand out more. But in terms of what you say in the follow-ups, the first one I often use, and it's crazy how like good this has been for responses, is literally just put thoughts question mark. That's it.
0: Painfully short.
1: Yeah, and it here's a cheeky trick actually for anyone out there listening. What you can do is you can put thoughts question mark, and then below it put sent from my iPhone. Now the reason why that because obviously anyone who uses Apple knows that they put it puts the message on there sent from my iPhone. That now looks, and if you use the technology and a piece of software, and maybe someone's reading my emails, they'll now know. But the point is, is this now makes it look way more natural. And obviously, like you've actually it, done it.
0: It does, doesn't it? It's got that psychological thing. He thinks like, oh, this person's on the go and they've just thought of me.
1: What are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's, yeah, That's, yeah, I've not excellent. thought of that one.
1: That's something I could do. Or another one I've heard, which is really cheeky, is you purposely make some sort of mistake in the first email and then 10 minutes afterwards say like obviously recover the typo or just say i missed this piece of information now that's another good one to make it seem more natural and then in terms of the other follow-ups what you can do is you can then hit them from a different pain point or you can provide some sort of resource for them again it has to be specific but yep. when you're following up with people the, the one thing i'll say is try and make them laugh because if you keep making them laugh that will really stand out and again this is really going to depend on your sort of you know personality and then like use gifts like they're great for follow-ups and then the other one is is just try and have some variation because everyone again is yeah sure you want to do the simple follow-up but after that then everyone's follow-ups if you look in the thing are oh, do you want to jump on a call or bumping this up the inbox? It's like yeah. they're getting tons of those anyway. So try and stick out. And the last the last thing I'll say on that is when you're looking at your email, and we already talked about psychology, actually look at the first few lines of the email as well as the subject line. Because if you look at that, that's what they're previewing. So when you're doing your follow-ups, again, you want to say some sort of hook. Let's just say in the follow-up, you actually had something that was a value to them. You could say something on the lines of, this one thing has changed the game for insert company in your industry. Like now, I want to open that email up because that sounds like it'll be something that's pretty damn valuable.
0: Yeah. 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 That's one thing we've not discussed, actually. The um, email title or the email subject line. Yeah. Uh, again, I appreciate these got to be customised.
1: Yeah, quick question is probably the best one, honestly. Literally, either your name, uh, Sam, quick question. Again, I still fall for that one a lot when people do it to me. And it has been, I say, overused. But honestly, it's still really good. If you've got the time, if you want to personalize the subject lines, you'll get an even higher response rate. But that obviously takes quite a lot of time and resource.
0: Got it. That's helpful. No, appreciate the breakdown, Nigel. So you, you reckon about six or so emails max in, in the outreach kind of campaign? Yeah, or sequence.
1: Yeah. I wouldn't reckon, like, again, if it's un- completely unsolicited, if you've done it from content or you've got some sort of, you've been in their face already and they know about you, then maybe more, but I'd say no more than six.
0: Sure. And what is the end game here? Because I'm sure some people will be curious at some stage. Um, well, I guess there's this there's a couple parts to this question. When do people tend to respond? Like yeah. what part is it like the second email, where it's thoughts, or is it somewhere else? Or thirdly, like or secondly, rather, what do we do if we don't get a response to this campaign?
1: Yeah, sure, good question. So most people, like in terms of the the way they stack up in the responses, you'll always see the most responses with the first email. That's just how it is. But you'll often get, you know, a good percentage in the follow-ups. So it's hard to say exactly how much for each, but I'd say probably seventy percent are going to come from the first email. But that thirty percent in the follow-ups, again, what the follow-ups on? Obviously, all the same. Like you could get your biggest ever client from the fifth, ever, the fifth follow-up. I've had that on plenty of occasions. So it's like it's always about, you know, that one door that opens, and always think of that. So it's definitely worth doing especially if you use, you know, technology to help you out. And what was the other questions are?
0: Good question. <laughs> I think I said, I, uh, I, yeah, the first part was when do people typically respond? The second part was if they don't, if you don't get a response to the oh, campaign, yeah. what yeah. are some recommended next steps?
1: Yeah. So it depends if you've done the multi-touch point. So you'd like obviously send them a message on LinkedIn, whether that's an email again, It depends how much these clients are potentially worth to your business. If they're very high ticket, what it's best to do is start engaging with them on LinkedIn or whatever platform you use, let's say it's Instagram. Again, if you can show up for 30 days consecutively on their posts, if they do post this, because obviously some people don't, then that's an incredible way to get in front of them. And apart from that, what I would do is probably segment the list and then potentially you could reach out to them again in maybe six, six or so months time. You don't want to be spamming people constantly, but maybe wait until you've actually got something else to say to them. But again, considering if you've actually spent the time to really get that lead list together, you can use that again. So if you've not got a response, put it to like put it to one side in your CRM or sheets, whatever you're using, yeah. and then make a note of that sales data for the future.
0: Nice. One last point, and then we'll wrap things up. Careful. If we see that, let's say we've put together this email campaign based on kind of these pain points that we've discovered and we've offered some kind of free resource and then we're following up on it. Um, if we find that that campaign absolutely bombs, mm-hmm. it just feels like it doesn't resonate, maybe open rates are low and response rates are low. Um, is there anything you typically find tends to work? Like, or do we just go drop back to the drawing board and start from start from scratch?
1: yeah so it honestly it, it's a tough one that because especially at the start you'll find out that you'll go back to the drawing board you might do five campaigns and they all bomb <laughs> <laughs> so it, it is tough at the start it really is And um, but what works is yeah doing more research on the market like honestly if your campaigns are bombing for whatever reason you're not resonating with your ideal customer so yep. i would try and if you can maybe go to an event a local event and try and get people face to face that might be your best way and if you can ask someone who's in your industry to read your email and even if you can't do that ask some friends or some people who actually have experience in marketing or sales and get them to give you some feedback by the way there's loads of like groups and marketing and sales that people will be willing to give you feedback Like, for example, Lendless, we just talked about that. They've got a Facebook group of like 15,000 people in there. Go in there, make a Facebook post. Hey, this is the campaign results. Just wondering what I'm doing wrong. You know, go out there, ask questions and start using resources to your advantage. And by the way, if you do do that, make sure you actually help other people out as well, because that's important what goes around comes around but they would be the steps that i take but also set the expectation it's going to take some time but like we've already said we go back to the start of what we talked about in this podcast yeah. it's well worth the investment because you're going to get that cash flow you're going to get the experience and again just like with everything else cold outbound is for people who persevere most people just give up just like with podcasts most people give up i think statistically after eight episodes with cold email, you know, someone says to you, I've already sent a thousand emails, like it's not working. Okay, no worries, send 10,000. You know, the, the solution is often do more.
0: Nice way to sum it up. Awesome. Look, Nigel, this has been a, a very comprehensive episode. So, really appreciate you sharing your wisdom with myself and the audience. So, thanks very so much. It's been very enjoyable and very thorough. So, with that, sir, please do yep. tell us more about how everyone tuning in can learn from you connect with you and anything you'd like to promote
1: yeah sure so alpha is the name of our agency we work with direct to consumer brands who usually are in the region of five to 30 million in revenue at the time recording and we help them drive more customers drive more revenue on tiktok and facebook through their paid ads platform and the reason why we're different is we have a massive focus on content and user-generated content, UGC as it's known in the industry. Um, so, yeah, we're a startup company in our first year of growth. We've uh, we've been enjoying ourselves so far. We've got a long way to go. But if anyone wants to reach out and they're interested to work with us, alphainbound.com, ev- all the information's there. And the last thing I'll say is I post every single day on LinkedIn. At this time recording, it's 8.30 a.m. every weekday Eastern time. And I reveal the truth around paid social. But even if you're not in the direct-to-consumer space and marketing space, reach out to me on LinkedIn. Let's have a conversation. I love talking to other entrepreneurs who are passionate about their mission and they're out there in the world and making it a better place. So thanks so much for having me on the podcast today, Sam. It's been an absolute pleasure. I know we went all over the place, but hopefully there's some golden nuggets here or there. And like I said, I'd love to connect with anyone on LinkedIn. Now I need to shut up. <laughs>
0: no worries, Nigel. We'll put all of those links over in the show notes at businessgrowth.marketing. And with appreciate that, you. thanks once again, mate. Really appreciate it. Very enjoyable episode.
1: No worries. Take care. You're doing great. things.
0: Cheers, dude. And as always, if you enjoyed today's episode, a quick rating or review on your audio podcast channel or a subscribe on the YouTube goes a very long way. And with that, we should catch you on the next one for more actionable, no BS, B2B marketing tips to grow your business and grow revenue. Cheers for tuning in.